Are you single, but not necessarily ready to mingle? Do you enjoy your freedom and not being tied down in a relationship? Well, if you resonate with what I just said, it seems you're not alone. According to Forbes, the number and percentage of single Americans who are looking for a committed relationship, or even casual dates is lower than it's been in the last four to five years, the publication reports. The percentage of Americans who are looking for a long-term committed relationship, or even casual dates, has dropped from 49% to 42%. In 2022, furthermore, if we break down the numbers even further, they reveal that the number of men looking for a serious relationship has dropped from 61% to 50% in 2022 and 2023, respectively. The number for women stands at a meager 35%. So, what does that data tell us about how people are navigating the modern world of dating and how can we do it effectively? Julian Romero Chavez is on a mission to empower people to end toxic situationships and bring awareness to mental health as it relates to modern dating. Chavez was motivated by her own personal experience in ending a bad relationship after her fiancé was unfaithful. She was determined to never feel that way again. A sense of betrayal, a needing for direction and purpose again in both her personal and professional dating and career life. Her background comes from one of leadership in a male-dominated automotive field. She used her experience in business, life, and leadership to create Clara for Daters, an intentional dating journal app designed to help daters make informed choices when it comes to dating and, and cultivate healthy relationships. And Chavez, join me this week to tell me more. I'm Kevin McShane. Let's have this conversation.
I'll take a moment to welcome you to the program, and I'm super excited to talk to you about navigating modern dating. Great to see you, and happy LA Monday to you. Thank you. No, I appreciate being here. And again, thank you so much for asking me to um, join as a guest. I really love your show, and I can't wait to have this conversation. As can I. And I wanted to start our conversation by asking you what your definition of modern dating is in today's society, because it can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people, can it? It definitely can. I think the biggest difference of modern dating is the start of dating apps. So I know that dating Tinder started happening um, a couple of years ago in 2011. So it's all still relatively new, this whole idea of dating apps before you had Match.com and eHarmony, more of the dating sites. But now you have so many dating apps that are basically penetrating the market and people are not necessarily knowing how to use them, right? It's a new technology tool that should be a positive in terms of introducing you to new people, but it's a tool that we haven't necessarily used. Our parents don't know how to use modern dating apps. Our grandparents, how we used to meet our, our mates, our partners was completely different just 10, 20 years ago. And now we're in this stage of modern dating where everyone has to be on, or everyone assumes they have to be on these apps in order to meet their partner. And tell me, why do you think uh, modern dating apps have become so popular? I think for modern dating, it's similar to, let's think about even DoorDash, right? Or Uber Eats or something um, that's really accessible. And I think that's the biggest piece of why modern dating has become so popular so quickly. Before, it did take a lot of effort to meet people. You have to go out, you meet people at restaurants, you meet people at bars, you're going to events or you're meeting people through family. And there was a lot of high effort involved in kind of making those very meaningful connections. Nowadays, it's very low lift in order to meet people. And I know this now because in creating an app, I learned a lot about how you want a low lift kind of situation and circumstance. And with dating, that's what it is. It's very easy for me now, I'm on a couple of different dating apps, to meet 10, 15, 20 different guys all in one sitting at the comfort of my own home on a Sunday while watching a television show. So it's definitely become a more accessible environment, and that's why the popularity has just kind of blown up. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you're on a personal mission to help people get out of what you call toxic uh, situationships and really bring the mental health side of dating the light. So I'm wondering if you could tell me about your mission and how it's going. Yeah, no, absolutely. So for me as a dater, I realized uh, myself personally, and then talking to people who are also dating in this world, is dating apps were a great thing, right? It allowed us an opportunity to meet people that we wouldn't have normally met in real life. However, the problem is we're so overwhelmed by all of the options and by all of the choices. And it's really taking us a hard time to really learn what we're looking for. Because instead of having an uncomfortable conversation with a person that we met last week, we'd rather just go to like the next person and see if there's no uncomfortable conversations to be had. Um, what I've seen with the dating apps too is similar, again, going back to this idea of like, DoorDash or Uber Eats when you're eating all this food, 
Now you have accessibility to all these different options, right, on DoorDash that you're able to bring in junk food or good for you food or um, sweets all day long, right? It's similar on the dating apps. Like I could actually be eating and or choosing the wrong people to be around for longer periods of time and not staying focused on what's good for me, what feels good, what's a healthy kind of option. And that's the other piece of learning, okay, like what is a relationship that might not be good and what would be a better one? So let me give you an example. Um, when I started dating again after I had a relationship and it was not a good one and I left it, I was really nervous getting back into the dating scene because I was concerned about how am I going to choose, how, how am I going to choose someone that's good for me? And I really lost faith in my ability to choose a good person. So when I was going through the process, I started really being intentional and writing down everything that was important during the dates and like afterwards and reflecting on it. So I would get on, I got on the dating apps. I booked a Tuesday night date with um, a guy I met on Hinge. Maybe I bet a Friday night date with a guy that I met on Bumble. And on Tuesday, I'm looking forward to the date, but he's not necessarily my type. Maybe he's um, he's a bit more laid back, not as aggressive, like a, just not as much as my type. And then Friday night date, Friday night guy, I'm really excited to go. He's definitely my type. He's very attractive and all his pieces. I'm excited. But anyway, I go on Tuesday night date. And I'm really reflective. Like, he's super nice to me. He asks really great questions um, about what I do and who I am and what is important to me, which is great. Um, may, I notice that he's really nice to the people around him, which is important to me. Um, I noticed that I feel safe. And I was very obvious that he was into me. Like, he was asking lots of great questions. So when I reflect on the date, I was like, okay, this is actually a pretty good date. But you know what? I think back to my head, I'm like, uh, I didn't really feel any butterflies, though. Like, he's a really nice guy, but I didn't feel those butterflies. Um, and I was like, oh, but I miss those butterflies. So let me see how Friday night guy, date goes. So I go on Friday night guy. And, you know, he he was definitely my type. I told you. I saw him in the pictures. He was my type. But he showed up to the date like 15 minutes late. And that bugged me. But then he told me it was because he was working and he just got caught up. And I appreciate that because I'm an ambitious person. I get caught up in work. Um, he was a little not, he was a little short with the, with the weight staff, with the valet and everything. And I was like, well, I, I'm not sure about him being like, that wasn't very nice to be very, very, uh, very short with people. But then he told me it's because he skipped lunch. So he was just hangry. So I made an excuse, right? Like, oh, he was hangry. That's why he was not nice to people. He didn't ask me a lot of questions about myself, but he was very passionate about what he does. So I appreciate that. It was very attractive just to see that he was um, very passionate about what he does. So after the end of the two dates, right, we have two days, Tuesday night guy and we have Friday night guy, guy. And Friday night guy, I was really attracted to and I was really excited about a second date, whereas Tuesday night guy, I wasn't. In the past, before being intentional and logging my dates for Clara for Daters, I would just go on a date with a Friday night guy, even though all those things were occurring. I would I gave all those excuses, if you remember. And I didn't give the Tuesday night guy, who actually was really thoughtful, asked me great questions, all this stuff. I wouldn't give him a second chance on a second date. So then I was kind of pursuing a relationship that that in the beginning showed signs of toxic toxicity, even before we even started dating. And that's where I needed to learn early on. This is something that that feels good. Good, and this is something that not feels good and to kind of retrain my brain on what feels good in a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And 
You know, Julian, a lot of people struggle with starting conversations when we go on dates. So I'm curious, what's the new definition of breaking the ice when it comes to dates? I think finding commonality in hobbies is a really great way to kind of break the ice um, and what your interests in or interests are. It's really tricky too. Um, I actually went, I don't, I'm sure you've heard of Jay Shetty. Um, he mm-hmm. came out with the book, Eight Rules of Love. Um, he's a podcaster as well. And I went to his um, Jay Shetty World Tour a couple of, I think it was like six months ago or so. Um, and it was interesting because one of the things that he recommended is having more dates over tea, like tea or coffee, kind of a bit low pressure getting to know someone in an early situation. So you're not putting so much pressure on the outcome of the of the date. And that's something that I learned in business too, right? Like I actually have that very similar um, understanding of how it works in business. So I, my background is in car sales. And when you're looking for a negotiation and it, you put a lot of pressure on making sure it sticks, like it works, it's high pressure for both parties and typically it doesn't work out. But if we bring it back on a low pressure situation, and stick to, hey, I'm just trying to get to know you. I'm not trying to marry you yet. I am just trying to get to know you, trying to see if we have some common interests. Let's talk about, you know, I also I also like to bring my dog sometimes on my dates because it's kind of an icebreaker, right? Like we are going out for tea and he's sitting there. It's a bit of an icebreaker. Um, but really having that environment where it's very low pressure is a nice thing to kind of start the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I, I'm curious to also ask you about how you recognize a, a relationship is toxic. And I know you started Clara because of your own personal experience with dating. So I'm wondering if you can tell me how we can recognize when a relationship is talk, toxic and sort of the personal connection you have with this endeavor. Yeah. So for me, um, I was in a relationship for three years and I thought this man was the love of my life. Um, we had, um, similar goals. We had the same aspirations, all of these pieces. Um, and I was really just in a place where I was excited to, to really commit to this person. Um, unfortunately I found out uh, that he had actually been cheating on me the whole time and the whole, and it was devastating. I was, just completely devastated. I had no idea. Um, And it really shook me. It shook me. And having to go back into the dating world, because I do, I I believe in being in a relationship. I want to have kids. I want to have a family. I was terrified to to go back in. Um, So what I did was, again, I, I was trying to be super intentional on, on what I was, on what I was doing. But in doing my research, I read so many books at that time. I started reading Jay Shetty's book. I read Attached, about attachment theory. I was reading all the different books, How Not to Die Alone by Logan Neri. And I was trying to figure out how I could have stopped myself from investing in this person earlier on before I just leaned into love. And that's something that's extremely difficult for, for women, men, for everyone. But what happens is when we find someone that we really care about, we have these rose-colored glasses that kind of we put on, right? And everything that we think is 
a negative, we kind of give an excuse for. And that happens really early on. As soon as the, the person we see starts fitting the fitting some of the, the tick boxes, oh, he's family oriented. Oh, he has um he has ambitions to have a growth mindset, all these things. We start ignoring the stuff early on that we should be paying attention to. And that was where I wanted to kind of get in early on this relationship funnel to help people identify things that they should be calling out very honestly early on in the relationship. So going back to those questions, was he nice to those people around him, right? That's a red flag or a green flag. It would be something to note if he's not nice to those around him. Was it obvious that he was into you, right? On your first date, if it's not obvious that the person you're sitting with is into you or not, then that's something that you need to be aware of and be honest with yourself about. And that's where it's been really tough as a dater where you kind of lie to yourself. You're like, oh, of course he was into me. Like, I'm the best person ever. But when you're asked that question in a situation that's separated from like the the general atmosphere and the circumstance, it's a little easier to be nice about it. Yeah, absolutely. And Julian, tell me all about Clara and how it's uh, really changing the way we view dating. Tell me all about the app. Yeah, so Clara for Daters, um, it's an intentional dating journal, and it's also can be used as a CRM. So the problem that I had too, and I've I've heard this a lot with other daters is again, we zero in on that one person that we think ticks all the boxes, and then we try to make it work as much as we as much as possible without actually doing our due diligence. The thing with Clara is we actually log our dates. So I designed it with psychologist experts to ask very specific questions on how you're on how you're feeling when you're dating someone in the funnel. And this can be used with all people that you meet. So say you meet someone on Bumble, say you meet someone on Hinge, say you meet someone on Tinder. Every My expectation is that every date that you have, you log the person in and it's a free app. Like my, my goal is it's about staying present and very honest with yourself during this dating phases. So you're logging the date, you're asking yourself, the, the, the questions are asked, how did you feel going into the date? How did you feel coming out of the date? When you go through the date, did you feel safe? Did you feel that he, it was obvious that your date was into you? Was um, the date nice to people, those around you? Those are some of the basic questions in the very beginning. So six dates later, their date, the questions are going to get more complicated, right? But the goal is to remain, remember, or the goal on all the questions is to verify your physical safety, your emotional safety, and make sure that you're feeling really good while you're dating these people. These butterflies, they, these butterflies, Kevin, they're, they're a bunch of BS. These butterflies are not good. They're an anxiety feel on like, will he text me? Will she text me? Like, when am I going to get that text? You shouldn't feel like that in a relationship. You should be, you should leave a date feeling very confident. This person's into me. They're excited to get to know me and I'm excited to get to know them, right? As opposed to having their, this, this date where does he like me? Does he like me? We need to start asking our questions. Do I like this person? And keep aware of them as we keep going on the dates. But yeah, Clara for Daters is all about being intentional intentional in your dating journey, logging the dates. It is a free app because I want people to be able to use it um, as they kind of navigate this whole situation. And it allows them to kind of get a bit 
um, more of an education on how to navigate modern dating. Because if you do have all these people texting you all the all over the place, it's really hard to stay focused on which ones are actually being a, a meaningful connection. And with Clara, that kind of helps you hone in on what's been meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. And Julian, you're at expertise and estimation. I'm, I'm curious, how do you think we can start building stronger relationships as dating? So the key to strong relationships, as I've, as I've seen, after I've read, after I've looked, is having uncomfortable conversations. And I think that's the hardest part with um, people in modern dating is that we are not taking the time to have uncomfortable conversations and we really don't have the tools or understanding to have an uncomfortable conversation. So let me give you an example, right? I don't know if you've ever heard of the Facebook groups, the Are We Dating the Same Guy Facebook groups? I have, yeah. Okay, so there's a bunch of them, right? And just yeah. to give like some uh, some reference to it, um, the the one in LA has over forty four thousand members, and you know the part of the idea is trying to look to see you know who is not if if you're per- the person you're seeing is seeing other people and and whatnot. But one trend that I've seen a lot is that is these situationship things occurring, right? So let me give you a quote, well, something that I've read before. Um, like I've been talking to this guy for the last six months and I'm not sure if he's talking to other people or not. Now, what's so ambiguous ambiguous about this, right? Is I've been talking. There is no converse, there's no understanding of what talking means. Does that mean you're in an exclusive relationship with this guy? Does that mean that you guys have had that conversation where you're only seeing this person and this person is not dating other people? I think that's been the hardest part about modern dating is we're avoiding all of these conversations about exclusive converse, about exclusive dating, about there are some people in now in modern dating, more open relationships, and that what they that's what they want, right? Or um, it's ethical non-monogamy, non-monogamy, sorry, ethical non-monogamy is another kind of form that people are using. And that's all okay. But the problem that's occurring is people are not being honest with each other on what their expectation is and they're just not communicating hey i want only open relationships or i only want exclusive relationships and in the and in the meantime because no one's communicating it's just causing a lot of anxiety and fear and just unhealthy circumstances for everyone involved and just building on that julian i'm fascinated to ask you whether you think open relationships can be healthy, because they're not always for everyone, but I'm wondering, in a general sense, do you think open relationships can be healthy? I think it's really a personal decision on um, on with each person. I think it really depends on the person. Um, personally, for me, I that wouldn't be a circumstance in that I would be comfortable having an open relationship. However, I have friends who have had open relationships, and it is healthy for them as long as they're communicating to their partners that they're with that it is an open relationship. And that's what's key. And that's what's hurting so many people is because people are having these conversations that they want an open relationship um, or they're just not. And the people who are not are the ones that are really hurting their partners. For example, my ex, 
I remember early on that we talked about the exclusive conversation because I only wanted to be in an exclusive relationship. And I said to him, this is something that I require. If you want to be in an open relationship, I don't judge you for it. I don't feel have any hard feelings, but you cannot be in a relationship with me if you require an open relationship. And that was something that I said like very early on. Now my ex completely was a liar and lied about that. And he pursued saying that he's an exclusive relationship when he wasn't. But I do see that, you know, if not having a liar involved, if you are saying that you're in an open relationship and if the both parties are okay with it, they just need to be honest with themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we talk about modern dating, especially when you have kids today, Julian, it can be very uh, tricky to sort of thrust yourself back in the dating world if you've been with someone a long time and you have kids with that person. So how do we make sure that if you have kids and you want to get back into dating, that you don't sort of uh, make dating detrimental to your kids, but also knowing that you also want to look for love as well. I think, again, it's being very intentional on what you're looking to do in terms of dating. I would treat it very um, strategically. Like, I, as a single mom, like, and I'm not a single mom, I'm not a parent, but I look forward to the day of being with it. I do talk to a lot of users who are. And being honest with themselves is going to be the most important thing to sit in. Um, I shared with you that I went to a um, feminine energy kind of workshop over the weekend. And it's very important, and not only feminine, male too, we know what feels good for ourselves and we know what feels good for our bigger family, right? So if we have children, what's good for that? And if we're feeling really good about who we're dating when we're having these consistent dates, then that's where it's something that it's healthy and you can share like where that looks like with your children. Um, But I do think it's super important. Again, the key is honesty. It's brutal honesty. If you're feeling any sort of way where there's a hesitancy, you need to write it down, right? And I, Kevin, I, I can't tell you enough about these rose colored glasses because it's, it's intense. I remember I journaled actually while I was with my ex, right? I was journaling during that time period and I never wrote down any of the negative things that were happening. I just didn't do it. I literally ignored it. I was so focused on the positive that I would only write down the positive. I had one journal entry where I actually drew a picture of a negative. That was it. I couldn't even put it to words. I put a picture, I drew a picture of me by myself and my partner on a different in a different space in the journal, but I couldn't even bring it to words. And that's where Clara for Daters is so important because it asks you those yes, no questions very bluntly. And you don't need to like, um, you're, it's not your sister. It's not your best friend. I mean, if you can be honest with those questions, like, are, do you feel safe in this relationship? Yes or no, then it's going to help you unlock that brutal honesty that is the most important essential part of getting into a healthy relationship and even understanding that's a healthy relationship to introduce to your children. Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned before, Julian, your background is in 
automotive sales, and uh, I, I, I guess you would you, you would want to start this app because you you uh, claim to be a creative sort of problem solver, and you you encourage people to get curious in their life, Monitor. So tell me how getting curious and sort of your life model helped you to create the app and to sort of uh, go forward in your own life. Yeah. So I was lucky that I was able to join the car industry and automotive at a time where digital just started occurring. I just graduated college 2011 and digital was just starting to come into the automotive industry. And what I saw when I was joining the industry is there was a lot of fear around digital, around not digital marketing, but also digital operations, right? Building a website, having people look up prices online on their cars, using the used car industry uh, market, auto trader, car gurus, these third party sites started becoming more prevalent. And I was in a place where I graduated college. I was curious about it, right? Oh, a changing industry. This is fun. Like, let me try to see how this is all working. And I was, because I was curious and not fearful where all the people in the car business were about this new thing that was coming out, it allowed me an opportunity to figure out how to work all those things that are coming out into a really successful circumstance within the industry and within my group. And it, and it did really well. We were one of the first automotive or automotive groups to go like 90% digital. We were using cutting edge technology to help support our processes. Our customers were really happy about it. It was a great, I'm very happy and proud that it all turned out well. Now, the same thing, I, that same mechanism is how I felt after my breakup. I was scared right? I left that relationship just being so fearful of now dating again and that and what that meant. I was so scared and I had to lean back in to Jillian. The only way I'm going to be able to conquer this fear is to get really curious about it, right? I can't hide it. I can't put it in a box and just ignore it. I have to get, if I want to have kids, if I want to be in a relationship, I really have to get curious. So I opened up the fear, right? I opened up that box and I started looking at it. I examined it. I examined every little bit of it. I was like, okay, this is my attachment style. These are my love languages. This is where my 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 historical patterns of relationships kind of informed who I was choosing, right? And I just got super curious about every bit of it to a point where you're overexposing all this stuff and you're seeing solutions to it. So now I ha I know I have a really anxious attachment style. How do I combat that anxious attachment style when I'm dating? I start remembering and understanding what feels good, right? To really push my secureness in a relationship, like asking that question, was it obvious that your date was into you? I don't like guys who are not who are going to text me five days later, right? And that's that's not that that's not that doesn't feel good for my anxious attachment style. So if a guy's not showing consistent follow up and dating, then I just recognize this is this person's not for me. It's not healthy for the the kind of relationship that I need, and I need to let that that relationship go. As opposed to like, oh my god, he doesn't like me. I need to make sure he likes me. I just need to get rid of that whole thing. So getting curious allowed me to get really honest with myself. And then that's where it allowed me to really develop Clara for Daters with a psychologist to help other people get really honest about themselves, what they're looking at, and again, what feels good and doesn't feel good in a relationship.
Yeah, and to that point, Julian, I know that you've also held like leadership positions in in your previous careers, and I'm curious. Well, well, when you think of elite dating, especially for women, or sorry, elite leadership, especially for women, what do you think is the definition of elite leadership and really? Ascending in male-dominated fields for women. You know, for me, I really started taking more leadership roles a little later in my career. Like I started early, and I was I I was able to rise quickly because I had a skill and a tool and a hunger for curiosity to understanding digital. But what really took me to the leadership level was allowing my ego to go away. Right. And allowing people to discover what I was communicating in a way that was organic, as opposed to telling them what I knew, what I in my heart thought that they needed to know. Like, so let me give you an example. If I'm there and I'm telling these car sales people, right, these car salesmen, it's usually men, you must use this tool in order to understand what this used car is worth. This tool is going to help you. It knows your industry better than you do. I'm telling you, please, you need to use this tool. It's a mandate, right? That doesn't work. That me knowing this and just telling it, putting as a dictating down, it doesn't work. But me learning the tool myself, showing them ways in which it's really cool and allowing them, allowing the, the the men in the industry to get curious about what I was doing. It allowed them to kind of get curious themselves and allow the opportunity for me to help support them in leadership. And that's what leadership is, right? Leadership is supporting people. That's it's it's service leadership. And that's what I learned in the car industry. And that's what I've been learning into dating too. Have you ever, I don't know, Kevin, have you ever had a, a friend that you knew was in a bad relationship and you just wanted to tell them this person's bad for you? You need to leave this person, but they kept dating them over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that that topic didn't work, right? But if you give them the space and ask them questions, and that's what Claire kind of does. Hey, you know, how do you like it seems like your relationship is getting serious. What what do you how do you feel that relationship? Um, how does that relationship feel for you? Is it is it a, allowing you um, opportunity to pursue this stuff? It, how does it make you feel? If you give them open to questions, allow people to have a safe space to ask themselves the curious question. People are smart. They're going to get into that. They're, they'll figure it out themselves. You just can't tell people what to do or what not to do. You have to allow them the space to get curious. Well, it's that old adage that you can lead people. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't force them to drink, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Julian, I know you've watched a couple of my other ep episodes of this podcast, and you know, for me, my sort of love language, love language outside of hosting this podcast is promoting a sort of an inclusive culture at work, primarily for folks with disabilities, because I also have CP, but also talking about inclusion and acceptance at work and really embracing what I call diversity of thought. So when we think about inclusion at work and 
acceptance. I'm wondering what comes to mind for you. You know, I really, so the auto industry is super interesting, right? That's where my whole career has been thus far. And it's very diverse in Southern California in terms of ethnicities, right? You have lots of different people who work in the auto industry. However, it's all men. So it's it's ethically ethnically diverse, but it's also it's gender very men. Um, and I've and the the interesting about thing about auto is the mechanism in which um, we sell cars. It is more geared to a man than a female. And let me just give you an example. A car salesperson, I sold cars when I was 18. And you are working weekends. You are working um, holidays. Like those are all big car sales times, right? Now, if you're a mother, it's hard. It's very difficult to kind of commit to that kind of schedule, right? Evenings, weekends, holidays, And usually as the mom, as the main caregiver for their children, that's a very difficult kind of um, schedule to have. However, now as we've kind of progressed, especially with COVID happening and allowing us to realize technology and different tools to use, we've had the opportunity to explore different ways in which you can be a bit more inclusive in allowing people to work in different positions. So for example, maybe you're not a full-time salesperson, maybe you're a part-time salesperson, and you're only scheduling appointments based on your schedule to meet with the clients. So everything else is online. So maybe you're communicating with all your 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 sales, your prospects uh, at home at the, and you're still watching your children. And then you get to book a time when you're doing the test drive and whatnot. So it's actually allowed us the opportunity to figure out different ways to sell a car. So how we used to think we sold a car is different than we how we're selling a car now. And it's the same thing with dating, right? In terms of inclusiveness and having open-mindedness. That's actually a big argument as to why um, they say dating apps it's such a negative circumstance is because we're actually going through dating apps and looking at all the negative before we even think about the positive. So very at a very, you know, very micro level, think about height, right? We set our height. We only date guys who are six feet tall, right? That's us being very exclusive and who we're, who we're having the opportunity to date. Right. But those are, that's the mechanism that modern dating has kind of gotten us in this in this place where it's a negative and if we can kind of broaden our scope and allow for a different um, experience to occur, then we can see that, hey, that short king, hashtag short king somewhere, that short king over there is actually a really great man. And I had a really great date with him when I logged in Clara. I recognized he he's not necessarily my type, but I logged in Clara and he, he actually scored like 10 out of 10 on how I was feeling. So I, I probably should date more guys that are along this thing, giving me an opportunity. But yeah, it's about being reflective and intentional in all those circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Joanne, you brought up the concept of leaning into the dating process throughout our conversation. So I'm going to ask you on a more broader sense, what do you think it means to really lean into the dating process and embrace the experience? So right now, again, there's a lot of fear around dating because there's so many people who are, you know, talking to a lot of different people. You're scared that they're going to be cheating involved or unfaithfulness, all of these things. And then we're, we're scared to have uncomfortable conversations. Um, but in terms of like a more broader understanding of it, when we're leaning into dating, we're having a strategy. And 
I actually, I went on a walk um, two weeks ago on the LA Girls Who Walk Club. And there was this girl that I was talking to and she's um, she said that she's taking a break from all the dating apps, right? I, I can't do it. I take a break. And that's actually a very um, common thing. People get so frustrated with the dating apps. They're just deleting them all and then they're not dating for six months. What happens then, though, is what I call crash dating. So similar to crash dieting, right? Your, maybe your big birthday's coming up. Maybe you're, you know, turning 30 or 35, whatever that age is. And you're like, oh, crap, I said I would be in a relationship by now, but I'm not. So then you download all the apps again, and then you're dating, like, crash dating all over again, right? And you're, you're making very um, quick decisions trying to, like, make something work, even though it, it's not working. If you date, if you lean into dating and consistently date, just schedule, maybe it's one date a week. Maybe it's one date a month but you're doing it consistently, over time, you're going to learn really about who you're looking for, what's important to you, what green flags start start coming up right for you. And then you get a better understanding of that person too. And even Esther Perel is a relationship, um, you know, coach guidance, all this stuff. And she talks about it is that you learn about a person over time, right? And if you lean into really getting curious about who you're dating, not about if they like you, but get curious about who you're dating, then that's going to really serve you well in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Julie, you indirectly answered my next question with some of your previous answers, but I'll ask you to put it in sort of a nice little neat package and tell me, for someone that's re-entering the dating uh, scene as you did once your, your breakup was final, after a long period of dating the same person, what do you think are uh, three keys to success if you're re-entering the dating field after a long layoff? I think it's to get curious, be curious about who you're dating. Lean in, be curious pay attention, be reflective, be observant, right? That's number one. And that takes a lot of courage. So I do applaud daters, especially after they come out from a breakout, a breakup. That takes a lot of courage. And I don't want to downsize or minimize that at all. But be curious about who you're spending time with. The other one is to be really honest. Who you're dating, um, when you're being curious and asking these questions, as I said earlier, sometimes we put on these rose color glasses and we think, okay, well, he's just being a jerk today because he didn't eat, right? But if he's being a jerk every day and he's not eating, like th that's a problem. That's a, that's a jerk. You're dating a jerk. You're not dating a jerk who, who's hot, hangry. You're dating a jerk. So just let's be honest with that, right? Um, and the third step is to take action, right? So you're being curious, you're observing, you're being honest, right? Those are one step one, step two. But the third is to actually take action with what you've learned. I've met so many women who know that they're in a bad relationship. They they feel it. They feel, un, they un, and this is men too. They feel it. They don't feel loved. They don't feel safe. They don't feel um, any, like any of those qualities that you really want in a relationship. Yet they stay in it because their fear to leave that relationship and go back into dating is so great that they'd rather live in this than this fear. So the third is to take action. And the hardest part, Kevin, is all three of those steps take so much courage. And it's and it's just 
It's something that we can't get from our family. It's something our sister, our best friends can't do for us. It's something our teachers, our parents, no one can do for us. Only, uh, only the person who's dating can do these three steps. And it takes a lot of courage to do it. So I do encourage daters, though, to talk to other people who are dating, right? Not necessarily their best friends, because you, you sometimes we lie to our best friends when we're in a bad relationship because we want the person to like them, right? So maybe not necessarily someone close, but other people who are dating these forums where we can kind of sit and kind of communicate our feelings and how it's going. But it takes a lot of courage and anyone who's putting themselves out there, especially after heartbreak, I just, I give them all the the love, courage and support, like, like everything that I can for them because it takes a lot of courage. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Julian is an old communications major. It's not difficult for me to carry a conversation and communicate it. But when it comes to dating, there are a lot of hesitancy when it comes to communicating. So I'm wondering if you can place a value on how important it is to communicate during the dating process and sort of push yourself out of the comfort zone that you're comfortable with so that you know what your value is when you date. Yeah, I mean, that's the hardest part. And, you know, looking back, going back to what we were talking about in a men's world, right, like coming from the auto industry, one of the things women struggle with is asking about um, how much we're getting paid, right? Asking mm-hmm. about pay. That's, and it's the same thing, Kevin, right? It's an uncomfortable conversation. And we avoid it. We avoid the uncomfortable conversation. We feel like we should be getting paid more, but we're not having the uncomfortable conversation with our boss to advocate for the fact that we should be getting paid more. That's literally something that's still occurring to this day. Now, like liken it to our relationship. I know I deserve better in this relationship, but I'm so scared to tell the person that I'm with to, to that I deserve more in this relationship because maybe they'll leave me, right? It's the same feeling. And all I can say is the more that we can have these self-worth conversations with our peers, with our, um, like having some peer advocacy with amongst ourselves, feeling that, that it'll help empower us. But at the end of the day, Kevin, again, it takes a tremendous amount of strength. I feel for every single mom out there who has the same job, she's getting, getting paid the same rate for all these years. Intuitively, she knows she should be getting paid more, but she's scared that she's going to get, you know, fired or let or let go because she asked for more. It's the same circumstance. I'm a mom with two kids. I'm in a relationship that's not good. And I'm so scared to ask for more because I don't want to be left by myself with these two kids either. Right. It takes a lot of courage to have these uncomfortable conversations. Um, And that's why I try to have Claire for daters starting for younger people, too, so that they learn even before they get further along in the relationship. So they learn to have these uncomfortable conversations really early on. So even girls in college, when the guy you're dating says, hey, we've been hanging out for a while now call him out on it. Say, no, we've been dating for a while now. This is dates. This is not hangouts. Like we are dating. I am being specific. Call out on the language. I have one friend 
who is the most honest person in the world. And now she is happily married with a baby. And I can tell you the first couple dates, she is brutally honest. She has always been, she's literally my role model when it comes to dating. She, she was on a date with her, um, with, with her now husband. And he had, that was the first time she had been the night and she noticed he kept going to the bathroom and she's like, what the heck? I really like this guy. What is he doing? Drugs? And like freaked out, right? Like that was what her thought process was, that he was going back and forth the bathroom. So she called him out. In that moment, she said, hey, are you doing drugs? Because there's no way I can get into a relationship with anyone doing drugs. And it called him out in that moment. And he was so shocked. He's like, no, I had, you know, he drank like a gallon of water before the date, apparently. And so he started leaving the bathroom door open to show that he was peeing. But that's the uncomfortable conversation that has to occur. When you feel something is off, you call it out in the moment and you see it goes on. And again, she's now married with a baby on the way. So there's something to be said about uncomfortable conversations. Well, uh, uh... They have, have to be started for them to be comfortable or uncomfortable first. That's the, that's the first key, right? Yep, exactly. You just got to say it. If you feel something, say something. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, you know, Julian, for people that have been hurt in relationships before and, and really want the value of partnership and a relationship with the scared to put themselves out there. I'm wondering what piece of advice would you give to that person or people? Because in order to be fully uh, sort of committed to the process, you have to give that individual person that you're dating a fresh uh, start and fresh slate. So how do you get rid of emotional baggage if you haven't had the luxury of trust in relationships before? That's a really important question. And you know what? I struggled with this a lot, especially after I got out of my relationship and started dating again. Um, I would see things like, oh my God, he drives the same car as my ex. He's like my ex. Like silly things like that. Like it would just trigger me and get back into fear mode. I can tell you that using Clara, using the the questions and really being thoughtful about the date that you go on, it allows you to shift your thought on this person's different, right? So when you feel like you're only looking at similarities or only catching those things that could be triggering, then if you're putting it in and these questions are being asked and they're really thoughtful questions and you log it in, then you can actually see, oh wait, I'm paying attention. I'm I am I am making sure that I'm doing my job. I'm being intentional. These are all good things. And it puts you in a in a in a in a place of really being feeling safe and thoughtful. And you're doing the work in order to identify a circumstance where, you know, you feel like you could have your trust being broken again. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh Julian, as we end our conversation today, I've got a two-part question for you, and I, I want to know from you, when it comes to trends in modern dating, what do you think the future holds when it comes to modern dating? And for you personally, when you look at both your personal and professional legacy, how do you want that to be defined? Yeah, so I think um, the trends in modern dating, I think it's not going to slow down. I think there's going to be more and more dating apps kind of popping up. And that's where um, I think 
the people who are going to want to pursue those options are going to continue to do that. But I do feel that this generation, we are experiencing the biggest loneliness that we've ever had, right? People are lonely. People are actually delaying um, getting married. People are not having kids. Women are actually choosing to freeze their eggs as opposed to going on dates. <laughs> like that's an easier thing for them to do. I'm going to go this shit. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not finding him. So I'd rather just do this and see what, what the market's like in 10 years from now. Right. Like that's, that's literally the conversation that's occurring. Um, but I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a shift back for some people to retro dating. And when I say retro dating, I'm like old school dating where I, I very much, I go to my parents, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles. I say, Hey, if you know anyone, please set me up referral dating. I think that is where a lot of people were going to shift back to their communities. If they're going to a church, reaching out, dating through those kind of avenues. I think we got so used to dating apps that we turn to the dating apps before we look at the guy who's on the treadmill next to us and we keep going the same treadmill. Obviously, we do something the same. There's some habit that's similar. And instead of asking that question, we're hoping he pops up on a dating app one day. Not realistic. But anyway, I think that's going to be the switch to retro dating. Um, I do also think that there's going to be more people considering matchmakers in the future. I think similar to um, the dating or to the job search arena, right, where there's recruiters looking for people. I think matchmakers is also going to be an opportunity for some people. I recognize that it's only for people in a specific who can afford it at this point, but I think it will be more accessible as time goes on. Yeah. And, and what about your own legacy? How do you want that to be uh, defined from a personal and professional standpoint? I really um, have a huge ambition to help people. And I've always wanted to since I was a little girl. And this um, this experience that I had with my ex was just, <laughs> it was beyond devastating in terms of like how, what I, what I thought could happen to me. And I was shocked. I was in a very much a shock mode, Kevin. I I thought, how could this happen to me? I am an educated woman. I'm smart. I come from a good family. Like, I know these things. I thought my self-worth was high, but this occurred. Um, and I was, I'm such in a great, I'm in a, I'm so grateful. I was in a position that I was able to leave that relationship that night. As soon as I found out, I left, right? And I had the support of my family. I had financial independence. I had all of these things that I was able to do that. I think of all those women who don't have that, right? Who aren't able to leave that kind of relationship, even though they're at a point where they know it's not right. And I can't, I can't even imagine how that must feel for them. So if I can help one of those women leave that kind of situation or with that, with the per, I, I would be thrilled. But in reality, I know it's not going to be a lot, right? It's, it's, that's a lot. That's, it's, it takes a lot to leave when you're that deep in. So if I can get to their daughters, right, who are maybe having similar patterns to what their mother was looking at and teach them early on, don't look for that relationship, look for this relationship with Clara, then I would hopefully help, just help change that generational like chain of, of choosing the wrong partner. And if I can make a difference in that, then I would be like beyond, I don't know, thankful for the opportunity to be able to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And Julian, finally, tell me if people want to get connected with you or 
Clara specifically, what's the best way they can do that? So I have a website, Clara for Daters. Um, the app is also available in the app store. It is free, Clara for Daters. It's in the app store. Um, and then also you can follow on Instagram, Clara for Daters. Also my, I'm also on Instagram and TikTok, um, Jillian Romero Chavez. Um, but I'm in all of those locations. And again, it's a free app. My goal is to help people. Eventually, I want to see where it turns out. But at this point, my goal is to really help people understand what's a, what's a healthy relationship to themselves. Well, fabulous, Julian. I really enjoyed our uh, time together. I want to thank you for the good work that you do to help people navigate the modern dating scene today. I want to Thank you for your work and the field and time on my behalf. It's most appreciated. Thank you. I really appreciated having this conversation with you. And I, I thank you so much for what you do and having these. You have difficult conversations with a lot of different people. And I appreciate that. The more we can get curious as a society, as a group, of, as a community, I think is important. And your podcast definitely um, provides that outlet and that platform to have that conversation. So thank you.